Okay, so Psalm 139, we're going to just read verses 7 uh, through 12. So I'm going to read these and then uh, I'm going to read these verses and then we're going to have a time of prayer. Um, and I will give you guys some time as well just to pray like with your families or with whoever, whoever you're with. And then uh, after that, we'll I have a couple announcements and then we will jump into the sermon. So Psalm 139, starting in verse 7. It says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. And the reason I wanted to I wanted to read this uh, this section from Psalm 139 is obviously we're we're dealing with interesting times right now. We have we're we're adjusting to new normals. We're adjusting to new circumstances and new uh, yeah just a new normal that we're not that we're not used to. Uh, and sometimes it can feel, it's easy to feel anxious. It's easy to feel as if maybe things won't ever go back to the way they were. It's easy to, to just worry and to fret and kind of, and, and start to withdraw. You know, we're, we're, we're being encouraged to practice social distancing. We're being encouraged to practice, uh, yeah, not, not being in physical contact with people in order to contain the spread of this. And, and for a lot of us, that's, that's hard for a lot of people. That is a, that's a very hard practice to, to, to do. And I think it's easy for us to perhaps in our worry and in our fear and in our anxiety, we start to wonder where, where God is in this. And we start to wonder if God, maybe if God cares or if God is really in control. And so I wanted to read this passage from David. Um, and I just love how this opens. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Like it doesn't matter where we go. It doesn't matter our circumstances. It doesn't matter. There's nowhere we can we can run from the presence of God. Uh, Jonah, if, you've, if you're familiar with the story of Jonah, Jonah tried to do that. Um, God commanded him to go to Nineveh and he turned and ran just the exact opposite way. And still God came after him. And you can read that story. It's, it's in the book of Jonah in the, in the Old Testament. You can read that if you're not familiar with it. But no matter our circumstances, no matter where we are on this earth, it doesn't matter if we're in Iceland or in South Africa or in China or anywhere on this earth, in the, in the middle of the Himalayas, it doesn't matter. This is all we we can't run from God. We can't escape the presence of God. And that is just an amazing and awesome, awesome truth. And so I wanted to start and encourage us with that to remember, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know how you're feeling. I don't know if this is, if you're, maybe you're enjoying this. Maybe this is like, wow, I, you're an introvert and this is awesome. Or maybe you're having a really hard time with the, with the distance and adjusting to a new normal. And I just want to encourage you and remind you that God is there. That God is there with you. And so uh, let's uh, let's spend some time in prayer now. And so the way 
the way this is going to work. Um, I've gotten a couple prayer requests. I'm going to save those for the end. Um, but for now, uh, let's take about 60 seconds uh, and just pray for the people you're with. Uh, just pray that God would encourage them, would strengthen them, and that God would use them um, and you, obviously, for uh, just to love people and to, to build his kingdom during this time. Uh, so we'll spend about yeah 60 seconds or so doing that. Um, and then I'll prompt us again, uh, and we can we can pray for just a, this nation and its leaders um, and the people here. And then we'll spend another 60 seconds or so. Um, I'll give you guys some time to do that. And then lastly, uh, we'll pray for the world. Um, and then after that, I will address the prayer requests that I've gotten uh, prior to this. So I'll open us, and then I'll let you know when when I'm when the 60 seconds has started. Oh, Father, Father, you are in control. You have not abandoned us. You have not forsaken us. And you love us. Thank you so much for that. Thank you that we can cling to these promises and these truths, that we can, that we can rest confident in the assurance that not only do you, that you love us, but that you've also saved us. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to take heart, that we would be bold and courageous, that we would use this as an opportunity to draw close to you and to point others to you. Thank you for just technology that allows us to do this. And I pray, Father, that you would open our hearts this morning to behold wondrous things out of your law. And I pray that you would be pleased to speak through me. And I pray just for the hearts of everyone listening. And I pray that you would break down any barriers, break down barriers in my heart, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your word. And thank you for what a gift it is. And thank you that you have not left us as orphans. And it's in your name, Father, we pray. Amen. Okay, pray for the people around you, and I'll, I'll prompt this again in about a minute. And now let's pray uh, for this country, for the people in it. Pray that God would use this time to soften hearts. People would ask questions they're maybe not used to asking. Just pray that God would put people in their path, put servants of his in their path, that they might point them to Jesus. And lastly, let's pray uh, for the country and for the leaders. Thank you for what a joy and privilege it is to come before you and pray. Thank you that you command us to pray. It's not for your sake, Father, but it's for ours. We pray and that we come into your presence. Thank you that we have access through the blood of Jesus Christ to come to you anywhere, at any time and at any place and under any circumstances. Thank you for this faith family. Thank you for this community that we have. Thank you that you give us other people to do life with, that we might encourage one another, that we might rebuke and admonish one another, that we might encourage and support, laugh with and weep with. Father, thank you that you do not leave us to walk this life alone. You give us other people, and more importantly, you've given us your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you did not abandon us, that you did not leave us as orphans. And now, Father, I want to pray for 
members of our of our faith family. Father, I lift up Sarah to you and her her team at the hospital. Father, thank you for the work they are doing. Thank you for their willingness to continue to work in a high-risk environment uh, during this time of pandemic. Father, we pray specifically for Sarah that you would encourage her, Father, that your peace would comfort her and would, Father, would just surround her. Pray that for her heart and for her, just her soul, Father, that she would find rest and find joy in you and hope in you through the long work days, through just seemingly never-ending difficult circumstances. Father, I pray that you would be with her, that you would guide her and protect her. And Father, we lift up Hilda to you. Thank you just for how you've used difficult circumstances in her life. And I pray, Father, that she would bring glory to you, that she would suffer well, and that you would be glorified and honored in just her behavior and her how she conducts herself during this time of, of great uncertainty and of suffering. And Father, I pray also that your peace would comfort her, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, would guard her heart and her mind in Christ Jesus. And Father, I pray for the members of our church who are, who are suffering, who have physical and mental ailments. Father, I pray that you would Father, I pray that you would alleviate those, but also, Father, I pray that you would give them strength and endurance to, to suffer well. And I pray that you would be glorified and honored by just how they conduct themselves. And I pray that these would be opportunities to point people to you. Father, I pray that we as a church would be characterized by love for one another and, and faith that is so clearly not of this world, Father, but is so clearly from you. Father, thank you for this faith family. Thank you for this, this time we get to have together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Well, if you want to open your Bibles to Romans 8, that is where we are going to be this morning. I'll give you guys a few minutes to get there. I also got to get back there. So we are going to be in Romans 8, which is in the New Testament. Uh, it's after the book of Acts. And we're going to be starting in verse 18 and going all the way to the end of the chapter. Now, I have an important caveat. Theologically, this is a very, very rich section. The whole book of Romans is incredibly theologically rich. Um, we are not going to just... Uh, we're not going to cover everything. Uh, there's just way too much here to cover in, in, in one session. Uh, so I, we will not be, not be covering the entire, uh, just everything that we could talk about in this passage. We are not going to talk about, um, just want to, I just want to say that. So Romans eight, uh, verse 18. Um, and I'm going to, I'm just going to read. Yeah. Starting in verse 18, I'm going to read till the end of the chapter again, Romans eight, verse 18 to the end of the chapter. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. 
For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Father, as we open your word, Father, please break down any barriers we have. Tune our hearts, Father, to, Father, to behold wondrous things out of your law. I pray that you would comfort us in our affliction and afflict us in our comfort. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So the main question, main idea I want us to be thinking about today as we walk through this is what is your hope in? And what I mean by that is what what gets you through the day? What gets you out of bed? When When things are tough, what do you cling to? What do you hold on to? Um, and for the Christian, I hope that that is the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I hope that that is the, that we look forward eagerly to the redemption that is coming at the return of, of God. If you're not a Christian and you're, you're watching or listening to this, um, I would ask, what is, what is your hope? What, what thing, person, concept, ideology are you, are you clinging to that helps you get up in the morning? And I just would ask, is that enough? Is that something that can that bear up under the weight of the of your own hope that you've put into it? 
So that's the question I want us to be thinking about as we as we walk through this passage together. Uh, and there's three three things I want us to see uh, from from this second half of Romans eight. Firstly, we see that God is in control. Second, we see that God is working and that God finishes what he starts. And third, we see that God's love is an everlasting love and that nothing can separate us from from that. And so let's just jump right in. Verse 18, Paul opens with, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So right there we see, we it's normal to look around and we see that all is not well in the world. We see that everything is not as it should be. We see disease, we see suffering. Uh, right now it's we have a really obvious set of circumstances right now through COVID. We see that there is, is clearly the world is not as it should be. Like we have people working around the clock trying to figure out a solution to this thing. As we, we, we see that. But what's interesting here is that we see that the creation was subjected to futility because of him who subjected it, namely God. We see that this is all part of the plan of God. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden in Genesis. And when they sinned, the, when sin entered the world, suddenly disease, death, all sorts of, of, of byproducts of sin suddenly became reality. And one of that is a disease such as this. This is a byproduct of sin. This is normal. We should, this, is, this has happened in previous historical times. Um, pandemics have happened, earthquakes, wars, famines. This has happened and it will continue to happen until the return of Jesus. And so this shouldn't, this shouldn't catch us off guard. We should, we should, I mean, we should almost expect things like this and we should take heart that this does not catch God off, off guard. This doesn't catch him by surprise. He doesn't sit there going, Oh wow, wait, I don't know what to do. No, God is firmly in control. So take heart, brother and sister. If in this time you feel anxious, if in this time you feel like you don't like just un, just fundamentally uncomfortable, like not knowing what to do because the status quo is no longer what it was, take heart that God is in control. And we see in verse 18, Paul opens this with, he considers that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I know that many of us suffer from all sorts of all sorts of circumstances, physical and mental ailments, all sorts of just just circumstances. And and Paul here, remember and remember Paul writing this, he has endured many physical ailments during his time on earth. He was whipped many times, shipwrecked three times, I believe. I think he says that. Uh, he was stoned um, and left for dead. He was bitten by poisonous snakes. He was afflicted, put in prison constantly. I mean, this man lived a very hard life. And here he is writing that I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. 
So take heart. Let's look forward eagerly, eagerly to the coming, to the return of Jesus. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever circumstances you are going through right now, uh, whether they be related to this pandemic or not, whatever your circumstances are, if you are in Christ, the end of the journey is going to be so worth it. When God comes back, you know, Jesus, Jesus left his disciples saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then I will come back and take you to myself. And so Jesus will come back. He will come back one day. And at that time, I don't think anyone, anyone who is in Christ, who has suffered, I don't think anyone's going to get to heaven and say, yeah, heaven wasn't worth it. I suffered too much on earth for heaven to be worth it. Nobody's ever going to say that. And so take heart. And it's normal that we would that we would groan, that we would look around and see that things aren't right. Like, take heart that your circumstances have a good ending to them. But it's normal, too, that we would also, that we would groan, that we would be dismayed by what we see around us. Look with me at verse 22 in Romans 8. It says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that's those of us who are in Christ, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And so it's, it's normal that we would look outside and, and say, this, this isn't normal. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't normal. This isn't right. This isn't something it, like we, we believer and non-believer, we all recognize that something's wrong with the world. No one's sitting there arguing that, oh, this is the perfect world. This is, this is, we can't do any better. This is the best. Nobody's saying that. We know that there are so many things wrong, so much injustice. We know that. And it's normal that we see that. But for those of us who are in Christ, verse 23, it's described, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And so I want to I wanna I wanna ask us a question. I want our I want do, are we characterized by an eager waiting for the return of Christ? And, it, and when I say characterized, I mean, is that something that is a normal, normal trait, a normal feeling for you throughout your life and throughout different circumstances? Like right now, it's perhaps a little easier to be like, yes, cannot wait for the return of the Lord. Cannot wait for everything to be set right. Because our circumstances, are, our normal is all thrown into chaos right now. We're adjusting to new normal, so so that's that's it's maybe easier right now. But I, Christian, I want to challenge you to like: is this a is this something that you are normally waiting for? That you are eagerly waiting for the return of God? And that doesn't mean that you don't focus on your things here on earth. It doesn't mean that you don't work hard and make good use of your time. And honestly, in, in fact, that should drive you to make better use of your time knowing that we only have so much time that we're here and knowing that we've been put on this earth as witnesses. And so our eager waiting 
shouldn't make us withdraw from the world. It shouldn't make us withdraw and be hermits, but rather it should push us to go out. And because we are eagerly waiting, waiting and looking for the return of Christ, we're also eagerly pointing others to their need for a savior and to the one who did die for them, if only they accept and submit. And so are we, are we characterized by an eagerness or are we simply looking forward to a return of the status quo so we can go about our lives and doing what we want to do and building our own earthly kingdoms? Or are we eagerly looking forward for the kingdom? Are we hoping? Are we hoping in that which is that, that, that is not seen? And we can hope. We, it's not like Jesus has asked us to, to hope in him and to trust in him without giving us any sort of, sort of evidence. Jesus didn't show up as a 33-year-old on the earth, get some guys together, say, hey, I'm coming back, trust me, and then leave. No, Jesus was born. He was born as an infant in a manger. Most of us here, if not all of us listening to this, we were all born in hospitals. We were born in nice, sterile, clean hospitals. Jesus was born in first century Judea in a device that was used to feed animals. Jesus lived for 30 years in obscurity. Are we, we're not content with obscurity. We have social media. We're trying to build platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're trying to build a brand for ourselves. Jesus lived for 30 years in obscurity before beginning his public ministry. And when he began his public ministry, it was characterized by mercy, by love. He healed the sick, opened the eyes of the blind, he cast out demons, and then he died for the sins of the world, for any who would believe in him. Turn with me to John, to the Gospel of John. It's just back a couple books uh, in your Bible. Turn with me to John 14. I want to read a few verses out of that chapter, specifically concerning the, the Holy Spirit. I'll give you guys a few minutes. Excuse me. And this is verse 16 now in John 14, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. This is verse 16. He says, And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom this world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then jumping down to verse 25, he says, this is still Jesus speaking. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so we see... Jesus says these things and he, he doesn't leave us as orphans. Again, we're not being asked to put our hope in someone who's untrustworthy. Jesus has proven himself trustworthy time and time again. And that's who we're being asked to put our hope in. And he sealed us with the spirit. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, when you become a Christian, when you understand that you are a sinful human being and you understand that you are so sinful 
that you need a savior, that there's nothing you can do to be right with God. When you understand that, when you accept and repent, repent means to not only acknowledge your sin, but also to turn from it. When you do that humbly before God, and when you accept Jesus as both Savior and Lord of your life, immediately then you're you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So that way, God looks at you and says, he is mine, she is mine. They've been sealed. And so we haven't been asked we haven't been asked to hope and to trust someone who is unworthy of trust. Not only is God in control, but we also see that God is working. Verse 26 says, likewise, the spirit, the same Holy Spirit we were just talking about, this, the spirit helps us in our weakness. But we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so we see that God is at work here. First, in the first, the first couple of verses of this section, we see that the Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit who helps us in our weaknesses. Because it says we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes with us, for us, I'm sorry, with groanings too deep for words. Guys, this is amazing. We have a member of the Trinity who intercedes for us daily, who intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Have you ever felt like maybe you don't know how to pray or what to pray for, or you just feel like, ah, just, you don't, you, you just feel like you can't pray. Have you ever felt that? Well, for those of us who are in Christ, we've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit who helps us in our weakness. It's okay to just pray and honestly to God saying, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to act. I don't know. I, I feel all confused and worried. And that's okay. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Go to God with it. Trust God with it. Cast your anxieties and your burdens on God. And he, this is verse 27, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Saints there, by the way, just a brief caveat, means Christians. It doesn't mean some super class of Christians. It doesn't mean those who are extra holy. If you are in Christ, you are a saint. And that's what that means. Uh, the spirit doesn't just intercede for those who have done really well or who have lots of faith. It's not, it's not how this works. The Spirit intercedes for every child of God. And we see that God is working. We see the Spirit at work, and we see God the Father at work here too. We know that for those who love God, all things, this is verse 28, all things work together for good 
for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Our greatest need is that we need a savior. Our greatest need is that we are sick with a, a disease called sin, and that the only cure is the blood of Jesus Christ. The cure is not good works on our part. The cure is not if we if we do these rituals and perform these things, that it, that's not what saves us. The only cure for this disease is the blood of Jesus. And God has met that. For those of us in Christ, God has met that need. That is our greatest need. And our next greatest need now, having been saved, is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And that is our good. And so you see this in, in verse 28. God, for those who love God, all things work together for good. And that good is clarified in verse 29, to be conformed to the image of his son. And so, brother and sister, that is our good. We have lots of ideas of what is good for us. Lots of ideas. Most of them are not true. And maybe you, you have a food that you like that you're like, no, that's, that's, that's good for me, but it's really not. Our good, our true good, now that we've been saved, is to be conformed to the image of his son. And God will not withhold anything from you that will make you more like his son, Jesus Christ. And so we see God's working. He's conforming us to the image of his son. And look at verse 30. Um, there is so much theological depth to this verse that we're not going to get into. But suffice it to say, we see the whole from, from creation, from before creation to when Jesus comes back. We see the whole work of God summed up in that verse. And so we see not only that God is working, but that God finishes what he starts. Paul, writing to the Philippians, um, this is Philippians 1, verse 6, he says, And I am sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. What God starts, he finishes. We often start things and don't finish them. You know, we lose interest, we get lazy, we, we, we have better things to do. We simply don't have time, maybe. We start something and then realize we don't have time to finish it. God doesn't do that. God didn't start the process of salvation for us and then go, actually, you know what? I just got way too much going on up here in the heavens and I can't, I can't do this. Christian, take heart that God finished what he started. And we can rest in that. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so now we've seen that God is in control and we've seen that God is working and that he finishes what he starts. And now the last part that, that makes these two previous points so much better is that God loves us with love everlasting. I'm going to read, I want to read this again because this is, this, this is amazing. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, 
but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, that's an amazing passage. Given all the extra time we have um, with the social distancing and quarantining, um, I would highly recommend you memorize these last few verses here, uh, 31 through 39. These are great promises to cling to when you're feeling, when it feels like God's distant, when you feel like, or maybe you're distant from God, when you feel like everything is convoluted and chaotic and these are great promises to cling to, that nothing will separate us from the love of God. And so if God is for us, who can be against us? God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And we've seen that our good is to be conformed to the image of God. And so these things that we are given, God will give us all good things that will make us more like his son. And our greatest need has already been met. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Justification, the, 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 ver the noun and the verb to justify have legal ramifications. To be justified means to, excuse me, means to be declared righteous. It means to be declared just. And so we, by the blood of Jesus Christ, are declared just before God. And so who can condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. So he lived the life we couldn't live, and he died the death we should have died. And more than that, who was raised. This is important. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. God raised him from the dead after three days. And that is so important. The resurrection is so important for the Christian faith and the Christian walk. And so Christ did, Christ did raise from the dead, did rise from the dead. And if he didn't, then we are still in our sins, as Paul says. But he did, and many witnessed it. And now Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. This is now the second member of the Trinity we see interceding for us. We see the Holy Spirit in verse 26 and 27, who intercedes for us. And we see the Son, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And so who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Shall tribulation or distress or shall this pandemic? Shall your circumstances, your sickness, your ailment? Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost a family member. Maybe any number of things. 
But as Paul concludes in verse 39, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brother and sister, take heart. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from what Jesus has done for us. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We've been adopted into the family of God. And that is such good news. And so during this time of, of uncertainty and maybe heightened anxiety and pandemic, trust in God. We see so clearly that God is firmly in control. We see that God is working. We see that nothing can separate us from the love of God. For example, in, in Matthew, um, Jesus and his disciples get into a boat to cross uh, the lake, or it's the sea, I'm sorry, to cross the sea. And a great storm comes down and the disciples hurriedly wake up Jesus, asking them, Master, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus rebukes them for their faith, for their lack of faith. He asks them, where is, where is your faith? And then he calms, calms the sea. And so likewise for us, the disciples, the disciples are rebuked because they didn't trust that Jesus would get them through different circumstances, circumstances that they couldn't control. And I feel like we're in a similar situation right now. Nobody really knows how to fix this pandemic right now. And yet, where is our faith? Jesus is in control. God is in control. They're both working. Spirit himself is also working. Spirit intercedes for us. The Son intercedes for us. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so as you go forth this week, as you go forth, um, just I mean, rest in that. And let that stir you to, good, to love and good works for both your brother and sister and also for the non-believer. Let's go do good to our neighbors. Let's point people to Jesus. We can rest secure knowing that even though the world around us seems to be falling apart, stock markets are going down, everything, we still rest secure knowing that our greatest need has already been met and knowing that we are still unable to be separated from the love of God. And if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, I would urge you to consider Jesus, to consider what it is you've placed your hope in, and to consider if it can truly save you. The free gift of God is open and available to anyone who accepts it. God, through Jesus, has already done all the work. And it's, it's a free gift that you have only to accept. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are in control. Father, thank you that you are working and that you finish that which you've started. And Father, thank you that nothing can ever separate us from your love. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that you have 
met our greatest needs already. And Father, you, Jesus tells us that we're not to be anxious because our Heavenly Father knows what we need, knows that we need clothing and food, knows that we need these things. And if the birds of the air and the grass of the field is so clothed, and God so takes care of them, how will he not more so take care of his creation who has been made in his, his image? Father, I pray that we would trust you. And I pray that that trust and that hope would spur us on to love and good works, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I pray that we would point people to, to Jesus, that we would bear faithful witness in this world and in, this, in these circumstances. Father, thank you that this is a time where people are perhaps more open and asking more questions. I pray that you would soften hearts and that many would come to you through these, through these circumstances. Send us out as laborers, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, I would also like to read the benediction, as we always as we always do, uh, in Hebrews. Uh, this is Hebrews 13, verse 20. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, thank you guys. Um, I do have a couple announcements. Um, I know I, I was going to do those before the sermon. I forgot, and so I'm sorry about that. A um, couple announcements. Um, you, if uh, For the members of our church, um, obviously we don't have a time of offering during, during a, a live virtual service like this, um, but you can still give online. Uh, I believe there's a link posted in the, the members chat um, from Pastor Gunnar. Uh, and secondly, uh, Wednesday night details will be forthcoming. We don't, I don't have all the details, but on Wednesday night, there will be a, a church time of prayer uh, that we'll gather together uh, in the evening sometime uh, to pray together uh, and just to spend time together. Uh, so just put that on your calendars and, and be ready for that. Um, and then, yeah, and that's it. And so, guys, I hope you have a great Sunday. Um, it's about lunchtime coming up here soon. So go enjoy lunch with your family and, and have a happy and blessed uh, Lord's Day. Uh, and feel free to text me or uh, with any questions. Um, text uh, Logan or Gunnar with any, any questions or, or needs or anything. And thank you guys. Have a great Sunday.